Amen. Hello, everyone. Great to see you in the house of God. Um, welcome. Why don't you take a seat? <laughs> Say hi to the person next to you. Give them a big smile. And thank you, team, so much. <laughs> Let's clap. Let's clap. Thank you, team. Awesome. <laughs> um, today, I would like to talk about water, wells, and rivers. Before we do that, I'm just going to pray and then we'll get right into it. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for every person in this place. And I thank you that as your word goes out, it will bring life to people because this is what your word is about, to change our lives, to bring life to our people and to um, really reveal who you really are. So in Jesus' name, I commit these next moments to you. Amen. Amen. So talking about water, wells, and rivers, um, I don't know if you're more the mountain type person or the water type person. The mountain type people uh, on their holidays, they want to go hiking and climbing mountains and activity and that kind of stuff. And then there are people, this is very general of course, but and then there are other people that are loving the ocean, love being in the water. So who is the mountain person people? Oh, three. <laughs> uh, who is the ocean people? Quick survey. Very good, very good, very good. <laughs> um, actually, I mean, I mean, I think it's beautiful. Mountains are beautiful. Once you're up there, it's awesome. So when I was a teenager, I, I had friends like a youth group. We went um, hiking every year. And I'm not a mountain person. <laughs> I like to look at them, but I don't necessarily like climbing them. And we went camping and every year I'm like, why are we doing this? I'm cold all the time. I'm always worried I'm going to have some bucks in my sleeping bag and it's super hard to hike mountains. But I have to say, once you're up there, it is stunning. Like the view is actually amazing. <clears throat> but when I became an adult, I was just like, I'm not going to do that again. No, I can make my own decisions. <laughs> I can pick the friends I can go on holiday with. <laughs> anyway, but um, <laughs> the thing is with water, water is amazing. I love water. So I last summer, actually, I got to do some water sports. Um, and I was dreaming about one day doing water, going water skiing. And I had the opportunity to do that on a lake. And I pictured myself skiing on the water, looking really cool, you know. The truth is I barely got out of the water, actually, because it's really hard. It's actually just as it, as it takes training, actually, to do that, which probably many knew. But I, I, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> and I realized it then. But I just love water, being in the water, being on the water. Um, one day, I, one, one year, I visited my brother who lived at, in Spain at the time and near, near the coast, you know, so, but it was too far to walk. And he asked me, well, what do you want to do that day? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm just going to be at the beach. And, and he's the type of person, he always has to do something. Like he's a mountain climber person. And he's like, but what are you going to do? Like, when do you want me to pick you up? I'm like, well, maybe tonight at six. And he's like, what are you going to do all day? He just couldn't imagine, but I love water. And the Bible <laughs> talks a lot about water. <clears throat> and it's actually, when I remember again, you know, hiking with my friends, um, I remember there were rivers and, and sometimes springs, literally out of a rock, and you could drink the water because it was so pure, because it came straight from the ground, and rivers, and you see uh, rivers running, and it's actually really refreshing. There's nothing more refreshing, hey, when you're like, 
you know, you've exhausted and you're sweaty and then you have fresh water, I splash it on your face or chomp in it or drink it. It's just so refreshing. And so, you know, the Bible talks about water a lot, actually, and it often it actually refers to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, Jesus is something to offer to us. I, I, came, I came across this uh, in, a, in a coffee shop. I, I took a picture. I'm going to show you the picture. But I came across this um, <clears throat> thing that was standing on the table. I'm just going to read it and then translate it. But it says, Wusstest du, dass soziale Interaktion der beste Weg ist, um Einsamkeit zu bekämpfen? Did you know that social interaction is actually the best way to deal with loneliness? And I thought that was really cool because we often talk about our giants that as a church we want to we, we're committed to deal with which is one actually spiritual poverty which is two physical poverty and three is dealing with loneliness because it affects so many and this coffee shop basically they have an initiative where they you know donate and support charities that are um, looking after people that are lonely and I thought it was that was awesome but um, <clears throat> that's really cool but to me it really spoke to me because it was like well that's actually what we what we want to do as a church and if it's put out there how cool is that but it also actually says on the bottom you know even a, a simple smile or a friendly hello can make all the difference and I loved it I was really inspired by it and then I was thinking about loneliness and the need around us that we can easily see like you don't need to look far to see need even even we in our own lives have needs we have needs and we have wants and what do we do with them and so I would like to to look into that today and I, I'm going to read a scripture in John 7 actually really uh, last couple weeks I I was reading John and it's such an amazing book in the Bible like I can really just encourage you to get into it read the whole thing <laughs> you know take some time or, or just read the scriptures I'm going to be sharing today but it's actually amazing John is 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 brilliant how he how he tells the story about Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus said because he was with him and so I'm going to read from John 7 <coughs> sorry um, but just to give you a bit of context, uh, what happened before, I mean, again, um, the, the gospel is about Jesus' life, right? And so John talks about, you know, how Jesus came into the world. He, um, God became flesh and dwelt among us. It's a pretty well-known scripture. Um, but then he actually talks about how Jesus calls his disciples. Then he talks about all these really interesting people encounters, which one of them is Nicodemus. Um, I believe that's in chapter four. It's so interesting because Nicodemus is a, um, he's actually, he's a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish council. And he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. What does that mean? <laughs> Find out. It's really like, why does he not come just on a day? Why does he come in the middle of the night? What does he want from Jesus? He obviously saw that Jesus has something to offer that he hasn't seen or heard before. And I have a very interesting discussion about that. And we read about the woman at the well. We, we see Jesus perform signs and wonders. And he's actually talking about who he is and why he is here. And you know what? The thing is, it's actually really confronting. We look from our perspective today, we think, what's their problem? Jesus came to save us. But look at their perspective. They were so challenged with the, with the teachings of Jesus because 
they believe for messiahs to come to to save them uh, but that they thought politically uh, but that actually jesus obviously had a very different approach approach and so anyway what actually happened is that some people believed in jesus and followed jesus <coughs> some people actually walked away from jesus because of what he was teaching and some people were actually trying to kill him they were going making plans to kill him um, and this is one of the so basically then he then in this passage here it talks about the festival of tabernacle and this is what again Jesus is sharing of who he is and why he is here for and then we're going to look into John 7 37 and this is what it says here on the last and greatest day of the festival Jesus stood and said in a loud voice let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as scriptures has said rivers of living water will flow from within them by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later uh, to receive Jesus talks about rivers of living water I like that example because, like I said, I like water. And I actually want to look into this today with you. So my first point is living water for you. What is it that you want? What is it that you need, really need? And where do you get it? And where do you find it? And the thing is, you know, as Christians or even as Christians, we can sometimes look for 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 ways to meet our needs and our wants because it's a human desire it's a human need a human needs and wants and even as christians we can sometimes go to places that we then realize actually that is not what i need it's actually made everything worse and in it's you know it's not it's not it's not we're all in this <laughs> no one of us is safe on it but jesus actually says I'm giving you living water. I have living water for you. So where are we going? Where are we looking? Where are we trying to meet our needs and wants? Well, we can know that Jesus can fulfill them all. And I loved last, last week, Daniel Pop, uh, you know, good friend pastors in, in Bucharest were here and he talked about Psalm 27 and it starts with saying like, I shall not want. I'm not in want because I have the shepherd. And so Jesus actually can offer us something that I believe nothing, nothing can really offer. No one else, nowhere else we can find what only Jesus can offer. In Psalm 42, 1, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. When I was hiking these mountains, I was panting for water like a deer pants for water. But are we, are we desperate are we desperate for Jesus? Are we desperate for that living water, like for nothing else? And if not, it's great to get back to that place. And you know, sometimes it's just actually, God, I'm not there. Help me. I want, I want you and I want all of you. And I think one of the things that Jesus made very clear in everything that he said was that he cannot just be another add-on. He cannot, he's not going to be shared. It's him. It's him. All of him. He wants all of you. He wants all of us. So, you know, is it, is it everything and Jesus? Or is it Jesus is my everything? 
Because when we receive him, we receive living water that can truly satisfy our soul. My next point is digging a well. When we receive water, living water, we then need to dig a well because we actually need to keep drawing from it. And, and I touched on this last week, and actually Joyce touched on this last week, but digging a well, you know, is not just a, a, a bottle of water. Actually, it's for the generations. You, you dig something in that you and your family can draw from, like thinking of an actual well, but it's actually there for the generations. And it needs to be looked after, it needs to be maintained, and it needs to be kept, but it's meant to last. And so you, you really spend time digging and establishing it so also for us, building a well in the Word of God is so important because then we can actually, we can keep drawing from it. And I just remember recently I had to make a decision and I was really confident about making that decision. And then the closer I came to following through on that, I actually wasn't so sure anymore because, you know, like, you, I don't know if it's actually the right decision. <laughs> and I just remember the scripture came to my mind that I... Um, Remembered, I haven't actually read it or looked at it for a long time, like years, to be honest, probably not that particular scripture. And then I remember that years back in church, we actually took time to build that into the fabric of our church, to build it into our community groups, and people build it in their lives. And I built it in my life. I dug a well into the scripture. And then at this time when I needed it, it came up. And I think that's actually what happens when we dig a well spiritually speaking you continue building a well that you're going to draw from throughout the years and your family is going to draw from because they're going to that you prepared something for it and the generations are going to draw from and just hear the scripture in john 4 14 it says again this is in 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 the gospel of john um and Jesus is speaking, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up continuously, continuously flowing, 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 bubbling within him into eternal life. How beautiful is that? I love that. I, we can actually dig a well that is welling up, that is overflowing. <clears throat> so you know what's, what's brought to us on Sundays here is not random. It's actually God speaking to you and me. And when we, when we use that and take it apart and dig into it and apply it, and I think that's the key we've been talking about, obviously, this last weeks as well, to actually apply it into our world. Just think of that. When you learn something, when you study something, very simple. Back in school, <coughs> sorry, let's just drink some water. It's all planned. <laughs> um, think about math. Uh, back in school, you learn 5 plus 5 is 10. Someone can tell you that, fine. But, but, but how do you actually know? <laughs> so then they teach you, you know, back we had beets or whatever. You can use apples or rocks or something. You count them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Then you know, you learn it. Then you maybe teach that someone else. You can tell them 5 plus 5 is 10. But then you teach them, you show them how it works, how you count it, how you put it together. But then it gets really interesting when you get your first pocket money, 10 euros, 
and you get to spend it and all of a sudden you're gonna buy this and then oh one two three four five is gone so I only have five back then it actually becomes real and you actually learn it and then when you have your first income <laughs> right like when we being taught when we spend time with it when we're figuring it out when we're actually applying it using it for our day-to-day world that's I think when the, the, the when we're really going deep building this well and then let this let us this well be an overflowing river river of living water so my point three is rivers of living water So we're not meant to just receive the water, right? <clears throat> it's supposed to f- overflow and bless others around us. And when I look back into the scripture in John 7, I'm just going to read it again because I'm going somewhere here, but I'm just going to read it again. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from them by this he meant the spirit that the disciples had not yet received yet but it says that rivers of living water will flow within them so if you have rivers of living water flowing from within you then what are you going to bring when you go into your world when you go into your family when you go into your homes, your neighborhoods, your workplace, your university, what are you bringing? You're bringing you, me, we are bringing living water. You know, in, in Acts, and this is what John is referring to in Acts 1.8, this is what happens. This Holy Spirit is coming and this is what it says. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this water is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will bring power to our life. And then Jesus went into heaven. So he leaves this with us. It's on us now. Jesus is in heaven living inside of us through his spirit and by his spirit. But it's on us now to bring living water to wherever we are going. And the good thing is, we don't have to strive and work hard, you know, to make this happen. It's in us. We received it. We built a well into it. And now we're letting it flow out like a river, flowing out, flowing out, flowing out, wherever we are going. You are the one who brings peace and hope and wisdom and solutions to whatever it is you're going to this is exciting I love that and I just you know actually want to take a bit of time here now because let's paint a picture what can it look like in your family what can it look like when you pick up your kids from Kita or from school by receiving the water letting it change you letting it transform you you're just letting it come out maybe actually the kindergarten teacher You notice they're down. What can you do? Sometimes it's just as simple as what we just read, like a a smile, a friendly hello, a smile. Just actually seeing it, even humanly speaking, that's already awesome. But then add the Holy Spirit on you while you do that. And you know, sometimes it's literally just that. But you are are giving someone a hug. It's not just a hug is good for, for everyone. 
we need human hugs, interaction, you know. But you and the Holy Spirit you can bring healing to someone by just shaking their hand, by just giving them a hug when it's appropriate, <laughs> by just smiling at them. Because it's not just you as a human. It's the Holy Spirit, the river of living water flowing out from you to wherever it is you're going. What does it look like at work? You're going to stand out because if the living water is changing you, you're not going to be acting like everybody else. You're not going to get involved in the gossip. And if you did, then you apologize or you make it right. You're not going to talk behind other people's backs. And if you did, you're going to make it right because you have living water inside of you that is changing you and that is flowing out from you. What does it look like with your business? What does it look like at uni? What does it look like with your parents? in relationships, in friendships? And what does it look like in community? And you know, this is actually really cool because Jesus has placed us in community. And when I think again of this picture and how it, how it talks about um, that loneliness is a big issue and, and, and we know this and, and I think we probably all at some point in life have experienced it or felt it or you know maybe sometimes more and others but who is lonely it's maybe not who we think it is it's not you know the one who doesn't have friends i mean probably but not only it can be someone who is married and has a family and they feel lonely it can be someone who's got all the friends in the world but maybe no meaningful connection it can be any one of us and I think it actually does apply to all of us at some point and I love it because one of the giants we want to take down is to deal with loneliness and one of a practical way I think is community and as beautiful and as awesome as community sounds it is actually hard work it is actually hard work but it's okay because it matters But I just, you know, we have community groups and Andres just um, shared it. And, and again, on Thursday we're going to meet or this, you know, this week we're going to meet. But um, I just want to also bring a bit of perspective of what community groups are and what they are not. You know, community groups are not just a group of friends, although they are a place where you can make friends. Community group is not a Bible study, although we do share from and around the Word of God. A community group is not a social club or a social service. Although we do, we are socially and we're getting together and we eat and drink and we care for each other. But it is so much more than that. Community, I think it's really exciting when we're actually doing it God's way, when we're actually making room for people. Community, I believe, can be the antidote for loneliness. But are we making room for the ones that are lonely? Community is uncomfortable. <laughs> Community lives of contribution. Community will challenge and stretch you. Community is having conflicts and solving them. Community is getting offended and forgiving. Community grows and enlarges your life community cares for you but it's really hard to care for people that are not connected C 
community matters because it's actually a God idea and because we actually need it. We're made not to be on our own. We're made to be in community. First of all, with Jesus. First of all, with God. But with each other. We need each other. And so I'm just thinking, imagine, imagine all of us carrying this out wherever we go, making room for one more person. You know, and, and I do believe that community solves the problem of loneliness. It's not the only thing, maybe, and it's not just solved like that. And I, even in our community the other day, we, we actually sat together around the table with kids running around. You know, what, what happens if you have kids around interrupting? That's okay, because it's not about a need to sit together. It's about doing life together. And in the midst of all it, kids crying and someone knocks something over, which is, by the way, not only the kids <laughs> that are knocking stuff over, glasses breaking and all of that. We just sat there and actually start sharing from our life. And it wasn't like giving one person giving the perfect answer, because that's not how it works and that's not what it's about. But we shared from our lives. And then we're carrying it together. And then we exchanged phone numbers to pray for each other and to call each other during the week. And then probably someone forgets and then someone else is offended and it's okay. And then someone's birthday is forgotten, but someone else is remember. We need each other. We need to do this together. But what we can know is that we have living water inside of us and it's not meant to be kept by ourselves. So imagine making room for one more person. It's gonna get uncomfortable. You're gonna have, probably have to go down to the cellar to get some old chairs out and clean them. You're gonna have to get out to go shopping after work, grocery shopping after work and bring it to a place that you'd have to travel to. It's uncomfortable, but it's worth it. And it matters and I believe it can take that giant down in Jesus name so in in conclusion of this receive from him for your life living water from your Savior Jesus nothing else can satisfy then he does it dig a well that you can draw from throughout your life throughout your years throughout the generations and let it turn into a river of living water overflowing into your world, into your neighborhood, into your family. So if I can just ask this, who is someone in your world who needs that living water? Maybe you can, in this moment right now, just think of someone, a friend, a work colleague, a, a neighbor, a, a mom, you, you go bring your kids to the same school, or a dad, or someone in the grocery store that you got to know in your coffee shop. Who is someone in your world that you can think of right now that needs this living water from Jesus?